Fight, Sword of Sports Podcast, episode 83, and we are back, and apparently with a lot more listeners than before, because um, I got 150 views on the last episode. I don't know what I did last episode that uh, made everybody like it a lot more than usual, but 150 views is the most views I've gotten on any video ever, so um, if you are new from that, uh, make sure you check out my YouTube channel. I, that's links in the description. I've been making some YouTube shorts over there. I had one that got um, 1.9 thousand views, so I'm pretty proud of that one. That was like a video I made, me making some jokes about the Super Bowl and uh, if Travis Kelsey should propose to Taylor Swift there. So if you're interested in that, check that out. I've also been making videos where I listen to a song and say what I think it feels like, and uh, those have been doing pretty well. So. Um, those are over there, along with uh, my reactions to when I watch The Bachelor. So just some fun YouTube short stuff I'm making over there. And then um, I'm going to be filming a skit this weekend that I recently wrote. And that'll be out on uh, my channel also. Um, so that'll that'll be out pretty soon. Along with, I'm thinking of some, I might be making a couple comedic little short skits. So I'm pretty excited for that. Too. I, got, I got a lot of big ideas for the channel. So I'll make sure I link that in the description below but you know as far as the sort of sports podcast everything stays the same here uh you know uh we're gonna we only got what next episode is the super bowl episode episode after that is the super bowl wrap-up so episode 85 will be super bowl wrap-up and then we shift over into preparing for the nfl draft along with nba getting ready for the playoffs i think if you're a long-time listener to this podcast you know that i'm much more nfl mlb than I am NBA anymore. It's funny because NBA used to be my favorite, and now it's completely shifted where I like MLB and M- NFL more. Uh, I can't decide if I like NFL or MLB more at the time. I think I enjoy baseball in general more, but as far as like a product, I'm currently enjoying the NFL more than the MLB just because Shohei Otani and Juan Soto are my two favorite players, and they went to the two teams I hate. So that's uh, really, really a damn shame, to be honest. But, um, Really, the plan I had is, so after episode 85, which is the Super Bowl wrap-up, that'll be in two weeks, uh, we're going to switch over to uh, specialty pods for the rest of February and March, um, the whole month of March. So what that'll be is we'll talk about sports at the end of the episode, but the beginning of each episode and what the title of each episode will be will be um, some topic I want to cover. So I know the first one we're going to do, episode 86, is going to be uh, why we need more rom-coms. I'm going to run through what I like in rom-coms, why we need more of them, why uh, they kind of fell apart. Just me talking about that. Kind of like what I did on the YouTube channel when I made a video on Burn Notice, just like a topic I wanted to talk about. And I found uh, when I made that Burn Notice video that it was essentially just a podcast with fancy editing. It was just me talking with some fancy editing over it. So I'm like, you know what? If I have a topic I want to cover, that should just be a podcast. And then my YouTube channel is just going to be skits and uh, the this song feels like shorts I make and my Bachelor reactions like the... Other than, like, shorts, really, I just think the YouTube channel is going to be, like, skits and stuff. Because I don't really have as much fun, like, doing commentary videos where I talk about topics. Because to me, if I'm just going to talk about a topic, I might as well just do it as a podcast so it's less editing and easier to listen to. So you don't have to feel like you have to watch it. Um, so, yeah, I got other topics. Uh, we're getting ready. I've got a whole list on my phone of topics I want to cover for the specialty episodes. So we're really going to dive into the fact that this is called the Sword of Sports podcast. It's truly going to become Sword of Sports because we're going to have all episodes that the main part of them is not sports-focused, which up to this point, the only time we really do that is every once in a while. Now it's going to be consecutive episodes that are all just 
me talking about movies and stuff. And then like at the end, I'll probably talk about a little bit out the NBA and maybe some draft stuff, but until the NFL draft and MLB playoff predictions, I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode that is um, headlined, I guess I should say like it's titled and has the thumbnail relating to something that's um, sports focused. So it'll be a fun shift for me. I'm also just very excited because I think anybody who listens to the show regularly knows I have a lot of interests and um, it's going to be fun for me to highlight some of the interests that um, you guys obviously know I'm a big movie guy and stuff like that, but there's some topics I haven't had a chance to talk about as much as I'd like to. And so I'm very excited to share them. Like if in hindsight, that burn noticed commentary video I made would have worked better as a podcast episode. And so from now on, that's kind of the way I'm going to operate. If I have a big topic I want to cover, it just becomes its own podcast episode. So I'm pretty excited for it. And I appreciate you being along for the ride. Obviously, big sports episodes are still going to exist. I'm still going to do NBA playoff predictions. I'm still going to do an episode every week where I talk about what happened in the NBA playoffs that week. It's going to be – we're still going to do everything we've already, always done, except now that I'm on a weekly schedule because up till last – this, you know, starting last fall was when I started doing weekly episodes was for the NFL season. Um – you know, it used to be I just record a podcast whenever the hell I felt like it. So once the spring came and I had less to talk about, I just wouldn't upload as much. And now I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I don't think I can, f- I don't have interest in doing weekly episodes on just the NBA. It just doesn't interest me. So because of that, that's why I've thought of this system. And I'm very excited for this. So I can't wait. Hopefully you're interested. If you're one of the 150 people that viewed the episode last week and you're like, this is not what I signed up for. Well, please enjoy this episode, the next two. And then um, come back when I'm doing more sports-focused stuff. If you think this sounds great, excellent. Um, But, um, yeah, that's the plan. And I appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, thank you to Dalton G. and my mother, because those are, I think, my three biggest fans of the podcast. So, All right. Let's um, start off with what I want to talk about first for NFL, which is I'm going to rank the broadcast teams. I'm going to go through – I watch a lot of football, and I pay attention to the commentators, and I feel like people complain about them way more than they should. I'm going to be honest. I say as I'm about to complain about some of them. (laughs) I really think we've got some decent teams out there, but there are some that piss me off, and so I'm going to run through and rank every team. So um, I kind of want to start from the top, to be honest. So let's start with what I believe is the best broadcast team, and that's CBS. CBS is the best. They have Nance and Romo, the best. Nance has the best voice out of any of the play-by-play guys that are on the main NFL crews at the moment. And Romo is the best color commentator. I know some people get on for the, oh, oh, oh. he's like, whoa, Jim, whoa, Jim, uh, like that. I, I know he I know he has his quirks. They all do. But uh, I think he's very genuine. I enjoy the fact that he, um, you can tell he loves what he's doing. And he has a lot of passion for it. And that doesn't always mean somebody's going to be good at something. I get that. But I think what is fun about Romo is you can tell he's knowledgeable and he tries to explain things to you. He'll run through the covers and why teams are doing this. He'll run through why a quarterback did a certain read, and I like that. I feel like Tony every game teaches me something I didn't look at before, and that's exactly what a color commentator should do in my opinion, is make you look at the game a way you weren't originally looking at it. So that's why Jim and Tony are the best. They're on CBS. Uh, At a separate time, I might rank the theme songs. Or even, like, the uh, scoreboards and logos, which CBS would also be very high for those. I think CBS might have my favorite theme song, I'm being honest. Fox is probably number one, but CBS is up there, too. So the second best team is, oddly enough, Fox. It's uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman is kind of a worse Tony Romo for me. Sometimes he makes some interesting points, but it's not a guarantee. Sometimes he can be very bland. He does seem sometimes disinterested. I'm not going to lie. He sometimes seems pretty uninterested in the games. 
Joe Buck, I don't think, is the best for football, but I also don't think he's bad either. So I'm not exactly sure what to do on that one. But I'm going to say that uh, Joe Buck and Trey are second just because I, I think Joe's kind of middle of the road, but I think Troy's pretty good. And um, they're like the reverse to me of who the, with a group I put third. Third, I have Burkhart and Olsen. So that's Fox. I don't know why I said Buck and Aikman or Fox. I take that back. Sorry, I got confused. They are ESPN. They're ESPN's crew. I'm I'm so sorry, guys. They uh, Fox used to have Buck. I think they used to have Aikman too. Yeah, they they're ESPN's crew. So I just that's Monday Night Football. ESPN Buck and Aikman. Anyway, so the actual Fox crew, which is Burkhart and Olson. I think Burkhart's pretty good. I think Olson is so bland. So if Burkhart had Aikman with him, they would be a, he would be above Buck and Aikman if Aikman just did double duty. But um, Burkhart is severely brought down by Greg Olson. I'm a Panthers fan, and even I can't stand listen to Greg. I mean, I can't, it's not that I can't stand listening to Greg Olson. He just never adds anything. I think Aikman sometimes can add something. Romo can add the most, and Romo also has the best play-by-play guys. So it's easily the best team. Buck is fine, and Aikman can add something. So they're second. Burkhart I think is better than Buck. But Olsen is just so boring, and I'm super glad Tom Brady is replacing him next year. Hopefully Olsen comes and coaches with the Panthers because we all know we need as much coaching help as we can get. And I think Olsen's a great guy, but definitely not the best color commentator. I'm very excited for Tom Brady to be the color there next year. It's going to be very interesting, especially if Bill Belichick is there at Fox since he currently doesn't have a head coaching job. I think his plan must be to just wait back and wait till next year, which is very interesting. So, um... If he's on Fox and Gronk's on Fox and Brady's on Fox, somebody needs to give them a half-hour show every week where they just sit around and talk. That'd be amazing to watch. Them just talking about what's going on in the NFL and give their thoughts. I would love that. Up until Bill, you know, goes leaves next year and goes and coaches somebody. But up until that point, it'd be really fun. But anyways, um, Burkhart and Olsen is third uh, next year, and Brady's there. If we do the rankings again next year, they'll probably be second or potentially even first, to be honest. Brady could really bring them up. Fourth, uh, which is also second to last, we have the Thursday Night Football crew, Prime Video's crew, Michaels and Herb. Uh, Al used to be one of the best. He really did. But Al just seems disinterested at this point. That's pretty terrible. Herb is pretty good, but he pisses me off because he does the rewind way too much. It makes me nauseous when he tries to show you something. So these guys are just two guys with very glaring flaws. Uh, Al Michaels is um, washed, to be frank- frankly honest. And Herb just gets a little caught up sometimes in uh, trying to show me plays, and he just re- rewinds too much. It makes me nauseous, so I can't can't put him any higher. So they're, they're second to last. Last is Sunday Night Football, which is the worst because that is supposed to be like the most pre- pre- prestigious spot. Sunday Night Football is what the NFL sees as their biggest game every week. It's got the Carrie Underwood song going into it. It's got the fun music. I do enjoy the theme song. Not as good as the Hank Williams Jr. Monday Night Football theme song, but still it's pretty good. But they have the worst team, Trico and Collinsworth. I it's not good. That is not good. Um, Collinsworth is so bad at this point. I think he like sees the jokes people make about him and thinks it's funny. Like I think he's trolling all of us. Like he he knows we make jokes. We he knows we get annoyed at him. So now he's doing it on purpose to make us upset. And I cannot stand that. Collinsworth is the only announcer that like I actually don't enjoy listening to. I I understand. Like I said, Herb's got some points sometimes. Olsen's just kind of boring. Aikman I like sometimes, and Tr- Tony's the best. Collinsworth, I actually like, makes me upset. No other like broadcaster for color makes me annoyed except him. He's the only one that annoys me, and I genuinely sometimes think I part of me wants to turn him off. Like he, 
Well, you know, <laughs> that wow, what a what a play there. That's just a great, great play by Josh Allen. I could have told you that. You're adding nothing. You're just saying, whoa, look at that play. You're getting paid to do that, Chris? Oh, my gosh. I did look it up. Apparently, Chris Collinsworth is actually incredible uh, as a Cincinnati Bengal. If you haven't already looked up his stats as a Cincinnati Bengal receiver, he had like three or 4,000 yard receiving years, which is just crazy to me. But so I have to give him his flowers for that. But as far as announcing goes, I don't know why he is seen as like a really good color guy when Tony cooks him in every category and Chris is annoying. Uh, as far as Trico, Trico's fine. He's just completely brought down by how much I get annoyed of Collinsworth. And everybody gets on about the Mahomes stuff too. It, it's not even Mahomes. It's just any good quarterback. He's just like, oh man, oh no, what a play there, guys. He'll go. I don't know about that. Hmm. <laughs> like, it's just he just has his quirks are more annoying than anybody else's. Tony's is like, did he get the foot in? Ah, oh, like you can tell he's really into it. Whereas Collinsworth, it just feels like he's like making fun of us. I, I don't I don't like. It. It's like he like he he wants to annoy us. It just he doesn't fe- seem genuine, and I hate that. So that was my rankings of the broadcast teams. All right, let's get into what people actually tune in for, which is for me to talk about the games. Um. If you're still around after all that, I appreciate it. So what went wrong for the Ravens? Uh, I took the Ravens and Lions, thus this episode's title. I was very wrong. Um, I took the Ravens and Lions. Neither of those teams won. Ah, the Ravens. Um, Man, okay. So the thing is with the Ravens is like, okay, I tweeted out, and I took it back because like I tweeted it out in anger, um, but I have to admit I was wrong, that like Lamar didn't really play that bad and – you know, one interception doesn't define him, et cetera, et cetera. He did play bad. Um, the Chiefs forced him to become a pocket passer, which I had said all year he was the best part about him is how he can now be more than just a running quarterback. He can sit back in the pocket and become a passer. They forced him to do that, and he froze. He couldn't do that. And that's exactly what I've been bragging about all year is that how he could do that now, and he literally couldn't do it. So exactly what I've been bragging about just wasn't true. And the Chiefs completely shut him down. Zay Flowers did some dumb stuff, too. I get that. But the thing is, the Ravens, all year, their thing has been running the football. And I don't know whether the Chiefs shut it down or what it was because they just didn't do that. And I'm a big John Harbaugh guy. I obviously think he's a good coach, but I I just – I was disappointed in him and I was disappointed in Lamar. At some point, you have to look at those two because those are your main two offensive pieces. Why didn't the Ravens run the ball more? And why, when they decided to pass, did they force Lamar to do something that I thought he could and apparently he couldn't do? And so I just don't really understand what what they were doing. And it's just it's just the truth of the matter. So I I'm pretty disappointed in the Ravens and um they just completely played a way that I didn't think they would. And I think it has to go on John, and it has to go on Lamar. And it's Lamar did not play as well as he should have. Um, I understand that the Chiefs shut him down. I get it. They did. They did exactly. They put him in a spot that he struggled. But he was supposed to not struggle in that spot. Like, he was supposed to be better than that at this point, and he wasn't. And as a Lamar Jackson guy, it really pisses me off because I believed – that he was more than – I mean, he is more than a running quarterback. Like, he, tr- we know that. But how come when the B- 
biggest moment for him to become a passing quarterback came. He couldn't step up. Now, I will say, I look at some of those plays, a lot of his receivers weren't open. I get that. I get that. But at some point, I also got to think, I don't think Mahomes is a better receiving court than Lamar. I really don't. I think he is Travis Kelsey. But Mahomes makes it work. So is it the play calling? Is it Lamar? Is it both? Because the Chiefs, if you gave the Chiefs what the Ravens have at receivers, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs would do even better than they're doing right now. So how come the Ravens have a better receiving core and a quarterback that I think is elite, like Mahomes? Mahomes is better than Lamar. I get that. But I'm saying if they're both really on the same level, like similar levels, I guess I should say, they're both really on similar levels like I believe they are, then how come Lamar can't transform and do like that level of success with better receivers? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Is it John? Is it Lamar? Is it both? I don't know. But something needs to be figured out in Baltimore. is very, very upsetting for me. I was literally on my hands and knees watching this game. Genevieve had to tell me to calm down. Um, I was completely distraught and brokenhearted when the Ravens lost. It was... I was in shambles. I'm not going to lie. I really want to see my guy Lamar win the Super Bowl. And, I mean, he's going to get MVP, and this is why I say it every year. They should hand out the regular season awards before the playoffs because it's just going to be embarrassing as hell when he gets the MVP award and he did not play well last week. Just rough. But, <sighs> all right, let's talk about the really not fun things, as if that was fun for me. Um, okay, here we go. So, Lamar um, – you know, is he Joel Embiid? That's the big thing, right? Is, is he really just – I said it earlier in the year that I'm like, well, you know, Lamar always kind of struggles in playoffs. Not sure. I remember, like, back in November, December. Like, it was early December, late November range. I was like, guys, I'm starting to think the Chiefs might have a shot at the Super Bowl. It's the best defense they've ever had. And I mean, they still got Kelsey and Mahomes. You can't write them off. They still got Reed, obviously, a great coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, and as much as I think the Ravens are good – you know, Lamar can't really seem to win in the playoffs. And I said that back in November, and I should have stuck with it because here we are. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, oh, guys, I saw it because I didn't. I completely forgot. I did what everybody else did, and I wrote off the Chiefs. And um, I just think it's funny because, like, let's say the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, and I'm going to save my pick for – well, I, you guys all know I'm taking the Chiefs. I don't think I need to play around. You you guys all – I mean, next year we'll do my official prediction and everything, but I, you guys know I'm taking the Chiefs for the Super Bowl. Anyways, um – when we look back, if the Chiefs, let's say the Chiefs do win the Super Bowl, right? When we look back 10 years from now, people aren't going to go, man, that Chiefs team, you know, we kind of, like, 2021, we weren't sure they were going to win. So when the Bengals went, it's like, oh, okay, that's fun. Somebody knew. Last year, I don't think anybody really, like, they weren't a favorite. They were, like, probably top five in conversation to go to the Super Bowl. But everybody was like, eh, you know, the so-and-so team, this and that, right? This year, once again, it's like, I don't think anybody really, the, the Chiefs weren't, like, a heavy favorite. I mean, they're, like, in the conversation always just because of the Chiefs. But it's like no one was like that sure. When you look up back in 10 years, they're going to be like, wow, they went back-to-back and they won a Super Bowl only a couple years before that. Like people aren't going to realize, like, no one really expected the Chiefs to go to, to win these last two. Like, I mean, obviously they had a good odds, right? It's not like they came out of nowhere, but it's like they weren't heavy favorites. It wasn't like there was the Golden State Warriors where it was like, yeah, they're going to win the finals. Like we're just going to look back and go three Super Bowl – sorry – Four Super Bowl appearances in five years, three wins out of them. Like, that's what people are going to look at. I'm saying it's crazy to think, like, I'm glad I have all these podcasts up because we're going to go back and be like, yeah, it's, it, they weren't really the trendy pick. Like, the Bills were the trendy pick, and the Bengals were the trendy pick, and the Eagles were the trendy pick. Like, it was just, like, last year, like, Bengals-Eagles was, like, the pick. And, like, year before that, it was, like, the Bills were, like, the pick, and the Bills-Rams. And it's just funny because it's, 
Well, I guess, obviously, the Chiefs didn't go that year. But I'm saying it's like after Super Bowl 55, we all kind of just started believing that they couldn't continue to have that level of success, and here they are. And I just think it's it's just going to be crazy Like when we look back. it's. I mean, you guys know I'm not a Chiefs hater. I, I, I used to be. You know, Mahomes used to be my favorite quarterback in the league. I've kind of – you know, I've went away from that. It became Herbert, and now it's Lamar and, like, Bryce Young and Herbert. And um, I still don't hate the Chiefs. I mean, Mahomes kind of upsets me because he's whiny, but, like, you can't hate Trav. I love Trav. But, anyways, um, last thing I want to say about the Chiefs in general for now uh, is that Jim Harbaugh was at the game watching, obviously, like, his brother coach. And I'm sitting there. I turned to my mom. I was like, you know, for a fact, he's thinking about how he's going to pick apart the Chiefs next year as Chargers coach. She's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Harbaugh is not, like, his brain does not shut off from being competitive. Like, he is just a – he's a weirdo. Um, and uh, he – for all the right ways. Like, I mean, he's a weird guy, but obviously what he does works. And uh, I guarantee right now. Like when he was well, not right now. When he was watching that game, like all he could think about was like how he was going to coach against his Chiefs team next year as the Chargers coach, which I can't wait for. But anyways, I have to say Lamar, I'm just upset because everybody's going to say he's a playoff choker, and they're right. They're right. Like given everything we've seen, they're right. He is a playoff choker. He has to prove us wrong now, and that upsets me because I really like Lamar, and I don't want him to be a playoff choker, but it, he is. It's, it's just that simple. So, yeah, it just really hurts me to say that, but he is a playoff choker. <sighs> Damn. All right, let's talk about if this was the Ravens' window. Did the Ravens' window close? I honestly think so. I know you're like, what? How, Ryan? What? Okay. I get they could go out and get somebody pretty good this year on free agency. I get that. I get they're still going to have John and Lamar. I get that. But as far as, like, wind, I'm saying window is it – I don't want to say this was their window. Let's change that. This was their best shot at them to win a Super Bowl because Lamar was playing the best ball he had ever played. That's still true. The Bills were taken out for them. The Bengals had Joe Burrow hurt from injury. The Texans still got to figure some things out. They're a young team. The only team that they really had to face – was the Browns, which we figured out the first week that they weren't as good as everybody thought they were, and the Chiefs. Those were like the only two teams they had to worry about. And the Browns went out early. It was really just the Chiefs. It was the one team they had to worry about. And they couldn't beat them. And it's like next year, I think the Texans are going to be really good, like Super Bowl-level team. And obviously the Chiefs are still going to be really good next year. And the Bengals are going to have Joe Burrow back. It's like who knows what the Bills will do in the offseason. And then years down the line, it's like, okay, pretty soon you'd think the Patriots are going to get back together. They're probably going to draft Drake May or Jaden Daniels this year and start working things back. Like, it's the Chargers are going to come out next year. It's just there this year it was really just you and the Chiefs. You didn't have to worry about anybody else, and it's not going to be that way for a long time. This was your best shot, and you blew it, and that's just really frustrating. All right, let's talk about um, – oh, yeah, congrats to Trav to getting the record for the most playoff receptions. That's honestly wild. Also, we should just say we can't write the Chiefs off anymore. It's just – there's no point. <laughs> just no point writing that team off. 
as long as they have Mahomes, they're a threat. Even if Trav retires this year, which we'll talk about that later. Let's talk about the Lions. The Lions squandering that win. Everybody's coming after Campbell. I'm going to be honest, guys. I get it. I know he made some questionable calls, but that's his thing. And, I mean, I said it all year on this podcast that the Lions always won in close games, and I was worried it was eventually going to come to bite him in the butt or they were just going to win the Super Bowl. One of those two things. And it bit him in the butt. You know, they made it a close game again because they always, you know, even when they go up big, they end up making a close game by the end, whether it's um, letting the other team get back in or them fighting back. And, you know, they let the other team back in, and they weren't able to beat them. And I was worried about that all year, and it's exactly what happened. Granted, I wasn't that worried because I took him to be in the Super Bowl, but um, I know everybody's coming after Dan. To me, it's like he's been doing this all year, and none of you guys cared because no, no one will really watch the Lions that much this year. And I'm saying now, all of a sudden, it's, oh, I don't know why you did that. I, I mean, I get it. I do. I get it. You're like, well, this was, you know, this is a pretty big game. First NFC Championship in 30 years. You know, you think he'd take a, you know, he might change things up a little. He's not going to change his system for one game because that system has got him to that point. So, to me, I'm just thinking, like, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I honestly see the argument you should take the field goal at certain points, and I get that. You, I mean, Josh Reynolds had some big drops too, I will say, but in the same sense, that gutsy, ballsy play calling has been the way he's played all year. And it just happened to be that the time it, his luck ran out was on national television on a Sunday night when there was only two games on that day and everybody was watching. Like If this if his luck would have ran out for this Lions team in Week 10, and that was the point. I don't think that many people would have been this concerned. It's just the fact that it it happened to be his luck ran out right in front of everybody. It's like, you know, they always say of gambling, you know, you can go on a big run and win, but at some point you got to walk away or you're going to lose. And that's just how it went with Dan. I know people are like, oh, well, next year he won't do that. No, he probably will because he's going to stick to his way he works. And if that never wins the Super Bowl, I guess that that's a shame because – He's not going to change the system that worked all the way till that point. Just for – does that make sense? I hope so. I'm not that mad at Dan. I think he's done a great job. I think his Lions team will be back, I'm being honest. I think this might be their 2018 Chiefs moment. Chiefs lose in 2018 to the Patriots in overtime in the AFC Championship. Patriots go on to smash the Rams in the Super Bowl. Next year, Chiefs go on to win the Super Bowl over the Niners. I think this could potentially be that moment for the Lions where, you know, it was a really tough loss. They lose the Niners. But then potentially next year, it's like they learned from that loss. It made them hungry. It made them stronger. And they come back stronger than before. And I, I really hope that's the case for the Lions. I don't think this is a one-year wonder team. I really think this team can be back next year. I will think it will be harder next year. That division is going to be better next year. I think the NFC as a whole will be better next year. Um. I would be concerned for them, but also I th- I do have a lot of faith in this team and a, f- a lot of faith in Dan. Very young core. Goff's not taking up that much money. They can obviously go out and get guys. So it's I have a lot of faith, and I think they really will be back next year in this position once again, and hopefully we're talking about them going to the Super Bowl. Now, I will say I kind of want to stick to my pick of the Super Bowl being Texans-Packers because I just think it's fun to predict like that because it's kind of random I kind of want to stick with that but a part of me wants to take the Lions now be back in there but like I feel like me taking the Lions back to back 
I feel a little bad because I don't want to curse the Lions. So I'm going to keep saying Super Bowl 59 is going to be Packers-Texans uh, just so then we can guarantee I don't possibly curse the Lions because I don't want to be involved in cursing the Lions. Because I said the Lions all this year, and my curse didn't come in, and maybe it's my fault they lost to the Niners. Who knows? So I'm I'm not going to take them next year being the Super Bowl, even though I'd like to, just to make sure I protect them from the curse. I'm doing everything I can for them. That's a, I'm playing my part in this fight. So that one's for you, Lions. Okay. Um. Let's switch gears a little bit now, and let's. Uh, I mean, you guys know I like Brock, but I'm a pro wrestling guy. I get really caught up in the narratives. And last year, the Niners' narrative was very interesting to me. It was very fun. Mr. Irrelevant, all that. This year, their narrative is not that interesting to me. I'll be honest. I'm a lot more interested in seeing Mahomes win his third Super Bowl and pretty much make the case that he's basically guaranteed to go down as the second greatest player of all time now. I think that's interesting. And uh, I'm more interested in that than the Niners, so I'm going to be rooting for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I also do think they're going to win anyway. And um, I don't hate this Chiefs dynasty. I tried to hate it last year, and it just doesn't really work for me. I don't really hate them. Do I? Would I prefer if the Panthers were the dynasty? Yeah. Would I prefer if it was the Bengals? Yeah. Uh, would I prefer if it's the Ravens? Eh, probably not, to be honest. I think this Ravens team is really... I don't really like the Ravens that much. I just really like Lamar. So... There's that, to be honest. But, anyways. um, There's not a lot of guys in the Ravens I really enjoy. Other than, like, John. I don't know. But, um... As far as the Niners, I mean, Brock played pretty well, but also his biggest highlight of the day came from Brandon Ayuk making an insane catch off a Lions corner's helmet. So... And that's the thing is like they always say to be to win the Super Bowl you got to be really good and really lucky. The Lions are really lucky, and all of a sudden it just shifted the Niners' way because it's just little luck things. Like Jameer Gibbs happened to fumble it, that pass happened to come off that guy's helmet. Brandon Ayuk was able to catch it. So it's like those little things that like they're just weird, like <laughs> random oddities happened to go against the Lions and that's why they lost. If that if Ayuk doesn't catch it off that guy's helmet, they they win that game. If you subtract that touchdown, they probably wouldn't get in the red zone then and wouldn't have scored a touchdown. They probably would have kicked a field goal. That's a difference maker. So I think that's interesting. I mean I do want to toss out there. Lamar Jackson throwing the ball to himself was incredible. I loved that. I was flipping out. I thought they were guaranteed to go to the Super Bowl, watch them do something like that, but wasn't the case. All right, um, this was the worst-case Super Bowl for me, to be honest. This was the one I wanted to see the least. It's the battle of the two best coaches, so that's fun. I would say it's the worst-case scenario, but I would have been pretty pissed if it was Ravens-Niners because that would have been annoying with the whole, the logo theory was right. That would have gotten old, too, so I guess this is okay. Um, the Chiefs basically guarantee themselves as the second, like the dynasty of this era. And, like, really the thing is with Mahomes with this one, you start to talk about can anyone catch his legacy, right? Is anyone from this era going to be able to catch him? Is he just definitively the quarterback of this era? I think the only one really I can see with a shot is Stroud. 
because Stroud could potentially go to the Super Bowl next year, win one in his second year in the league, and he's young. He's got a chance to be the guy of this era. But if you know Stroud doesn't start winning him soon, it's gonna like Mahomes is gonna be the guy of this era. I do think there's still a little bit of room for Stroud to move in and be the quarterback of this era. But it it would it's gonna be tough. I'm be really honest because. Mahomes having three and you having zero. But, like, I don't really see anybody else coming through and, like, we look back ten years down the line and say, wow, he was the best quarterback of the era. The only one I can think of that has a shot is Stroud. That's the only one. You know, we still got to see, make sure Stroud doesn't go through a sophomore slump. I don't really think he will. I'm taking them to win the Super Bowl next year. But I am saying it's like we do still have to see that. So it's pretty crazy what Mahomes is doing. I'm not even going to lie. It's It's wild. All right, I do. Th- I do want to say, um, it it would be the greatest moment in television history if Travis Kelsey cameras zoom in after the game and he says he's and he pr- says he's retiring and proposes to Taylor Swift. That would be absolutely insane. I would lose it. I made a YouTube short about that. You should go watch it on the channel. Um, there's another twist that happens in that. So if you want to check that out, that'd be great. But uh, that's on the channel. I think that's that's, that's a fun one. So. All right, um, I I really enjoy Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey stuff. I think it's fun. All right, enough about that. We got a whole other week to talk about the Super Bowl, so I don't want to get too far into it. Let's talk about my official 2024 NFL playoff awards. All right, it's a new segment I thought of, and uh, we'll see if I do it again next year. I think it's pretty fun, so hopefully I keep it up. Okay, first award, the Lights Were Too Bright Award. That goes to the Cleveland Browns. This is the team... I should probably explain the award before I hand it out. So uh, the Lights Are Too Bright Award goes to the team that people are very excited about, and they did not perform as expected. Uh, The Ravens had a really good opportunity to get this. The Cowboys had a really good opportunity to get this. But to me, I live in Ohio. I heard a lot of Browns fans talking about how they had Super Bowl potential. So that made me a little biased towards making them the Lights Were Too Bright Award. So that goes to the Brownies. The next up, the Just Happy to Be Here Award. This one goes out to the team that is just honestly just happy they got a playoff spot. Nothing more than that. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Good for them beating the Eagles. Um, that I mean, good job by you and a great job by Baker. So they're just happy to be there. The next award is the Dwayne Casey Award. This one goes out to the team that's coach is most likely to be fired after their performance in this year's playoffs. This is a tough one. Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni are having an absolute dogfight for this one, but I'm going to give it to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're even more um, depressing of a loss, in my opinion. They lost to, I think, a worse team, maybe? I'm not sure. But um, the Eagles have more talent than the Cowboys. I think they should be better than they are, and I still can't believe they're sticking with Sirianni. The Everyone's Favorite Team for a Month Award. This award goes out to the team that everybody was rooting for in the playoffs because they don't have a team that made it, so they picked this team. That's obviously the Detroit Lions. It'll be interesting to see in upcoming years if it'll be so obvious, but this year was super obvious. All right, one of the last awards to hand out, the Terminator I'll Be Back Award. This goes out to the team that I feel like is most guaranteed. Well, not most guaranteed, but a team that very clearly um, is going to be back in the playoffs again. And that what we got this year is just a taste, and that's going to go out to the Houston Texans. Final award is Mr. January. This award's pretty obvious. It's going to go out to the individual player that just really stepped it up in the playoffs and gave us their best performance of the year. That obviously is going to go to Travis Kelsey. He's been absolutely killing it this playoffs. And so I'm really proud of Trav. He's done excellent. And he's, this potentially is his last playoffs. And so I'm very proud to give him the award of Mr. January. All right. That's all for NFL for this week. 
Um, very excited for next week, the Super Bowl preview episode. I was very upset about going 0 for 2 in my picks, but I've had a lot of days to decompress. A lot of days to decompress. That's the nice thing about being on the weekly schedule. As it used to be, I would just record whenever I want to, and sometimes that would be immediately after the games, and I would just be upset recording. That's why we have great episodes like Why, and well, Why is the really peak me being sad episode when the Bengals lost that Super Bowl. It really broke my heart. We're lucky I was a fifth grader and not having a podcast when um, in 2015 the Panthers, well, it would be 2016 February when the Panthers lost Super Bowl 50. That would have been the saddest Super Bowl uh, podcast of all time. But, um, Give, it, give myself a week to count, not a week, but a couple days to decompress is probably best from these tough losses. But All right, let's shift over to ramblings of reels and writings. So for this week, as far as movies and stuff I've watched, um, I watched Whiplash. I'm big, lo- well, I rewatched La La Land because I love it and uh, wholeheartedly deserving of a Hall of Fame spot that I gave it last year. I named it the third best movie I watched in 2023, which is really impressive because the only two movies above it, Guardians of the Galaxy and Die Hard, are one of them is a childhood favorite, Guardians of the Galaxy, one of my favorite movies growing up, and then Die Hard, which was one of my favorite movies as a high schooler. So uh, La La Land, it's very impressive that I watched the movie for the first time in October and I put it so up, like, you know, next to those two because those are films that really affected me um, on my younger age. And so it's cool that I'm, you know, I'm in college now, and I still can be very affected by a movie, and La La Land is one of those. And so I love La La Land. It is amazing, and I have to track now the movies I put in the Hall of Fame and when I rewatch them because at the end of the year, uh, G had the idea for me to um, calculate how many minutes I spent like watching movies in the year. I thought that was fun. So now i got to track what movies I um, rewatch, even if they're in, like, in the Hall of Fame. So I had to write down I watched La La Land. So great great job by Genevieve. I think it'll be a fun idea for the Sword of Sporties next year. But um, uh, as far as... Oh, I was going to go see Argyle this week. And usually I don't really get that hindered by reviews. But the reviews are so heinous that I'm actually concerned that I'm going to go and not enjoy it. So I might go see The Beekeeper. I might not. I don't think I have anyone to go to The Beekeeper with me. I don't think any of my friends want to see The Beekeeper. <laughs> So I might be going on a solo trip to see The Beekeeper, and that's never a fun feeling. So I'm not sure. Definitely not seeing Madam Web, though. I cannot bring myself to do that. It's nothing against Sidney Sweeney, Dakota Johnson, Isabel Merced, or any of them. It's, I just think that movie, the, it looks terrible. It looks like it's going to be one of the worst Spider-Man movies ever made. Um, I truly think the Sony people were just like, you know, we're going to get four actresses that are all attractive, but attractive in different ways, and odds are a guy will find at least one of them attractive, and he'll come, which is funny because like one of my friends was like, man, Dakota Johnson's hot. Another one of my friends was like, man, Sidney Sweeney's so hot. And I was like, well, man, I've always had a, you know, always had a, had a crush on Isabel Merced because she was in like 100 Things Do for high school when I was younger. So I just think it's funny that um, that, that literally proved my point. Um, I, there is one more girl in that that I can't remember the name of, um, I didn't have anybody say she was attractive yet, but I'm, I'm sure there's somebody out there. So I just think it's funny. I do think that was the entire Sony marketing team's plan. Now that Sidney Sweeney isn't attractive to me, I've just always been more Isabel Merced. Uh, I remember when she was, I think it was Monair was her name, or Isabel Moner. I'm not sure how to pronounce her old last name. But anyways, um, I was, she was in 100 Things to Do for High School, which was a, a show that was on Nick, um, 
like the Nick at Night, and um, like I think sixth grade me was down tragic. <laughs> All right, um, that's funny. Okay, um, then I so like I watched Whiplash a couple days later. So I was like, you know, I really enjoyed La La Land by Chazelle. I'm going to give Whiplash a shot. People say it's one of the best movies of the decade. People say it's even better than La La Land, et cetera, et cetera. I think Whiplash is very good. Um, I think it's an excellent movie. If you told me it's your favorite movie of all time, you told me it's one of the best movies you've ever seen, I get it. I really do. Me personally, I just like La La Land way more. I like what La La Land's saying more. I like the bright colors. I like the cinematography. I just like the story better. I like it all better. Whiplash is a very... It's, I mean, they're completely different things, where one of them is a grand, epic romance story told in this bright, colorful, magical, fairy tale feeling world. The other one feels so real, it honestly feels like a documentary at some points, and it is a tight, up-close, personal, um, introspective, not a big budget, not super grand, very, um, it almost feels like a really, like, really... Good. Like it just kind of feels like a student film, which I understand. Like it originally was like a student film short he made, not a student film, but like an independent film. It definitely feels like an independent film. At some points, like it, it is um, a lot more of a smaller story. It's like a really good short story made into a movie, and um, whereas La La Land feels like a grand epic, even though they're only like twenty minutes difference in runtime. It's just the difference in vibes, but. Uh, I'm a sucker for a great romance. You guys know that. That's why I'm making a whole podcast about rom-coms coming up on episode 86. So, um, La La Land being a rom-com, not rom-com, but a romance film, and one of my favorite romance films at that, it's always going to be over Whiplash. Uh, Whiplash, though, I mean, it's very good. It's just, you know, the movie is making some interesting points about authority and um, abuse and different things like that, and that's very interesting. I think it's a very interesting movie. I think it's very good. But to me, I'm always going to enjoy more just a great romance because at the end of the day, um, I tend to like movies more that make me feel good. There's very rare. There's not a lot of movies in the Hall of Fame that um, don't make me feel good. Like Seven is one of the only ones. And I think Whiplash has a decent chance, but I don't think it's going to make the Hall of Fame, to be honest, guys. Uh, it's very good, though. Um, it might grow on me some. I definitely would watch it again. Like somebody's like, hey, let's watch Whiplash. I'd be like, hell yeah, because it's really good. And I really like it. But I do prefer La La Land, I'm not going to lie. Which might be a bit of a hot take, I think. But, anyways, um, so, I had to take a class that was like, um, some sort of like culture class. So I decided to take, um, one that was like, you could do like art, or, um, I don't know, there was others, there's lots of ones. There's like 20 different ones, but I, I chose, uh, there was an intro to film class, and I'm not getting a film major. I don't plan on changing to one either, but um, I was like, you know, if I have to take one of these classes anyway, I might as well take the one that interests me the most, which is the movie one. So I took that, watched Grand Budapest Hotel last week, and I like Grand Budapest Hotel pretty well. But this week, we watched a movie that I absolutely loved, and it's been the image right now um, that you've been looking at and you've probably been waiting for me to talk about. The John Singleton classic, Boys in the Hood. Um, this movie really works for me. This movie's excellent. This, I I loved this movie. You guys know I love it when a movie's got good music, and this movie's got great music. Um, 
This was, I think, this this might be Cuba Gooding, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s first movie ever. I'm going to look back, but I honestly think it might be. Okay, he was in a couple of things before this. He was in like some TV shows. Like he was in an episode of. Uh, oh, he's in Coming to America for, as he was like a little kid. Okay, so he was in an episode of Hill Street Blues. He was in a little bit of things, but obviously, Boys in the Hood is like when he really breaks. Um, you know, gets big because he's uh, the main character, Trey Styles. Lawrence Fishburne is his father in this. I mean, it's a stat cast. Angela Bassett. Nia Long, which is always great to see, being a big Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan. It's always fun to see her. Um, Ice Cube, obviously, is Doughboy. And um, who's the guy that played Ricky? Morris Chestnut. Um, I don't ever know what happened to him. But yeah, he's been, he was in some stuff. But, um, oh, no. I think he passed away. I think Morris Chestnut passed away. That's a shame. Let me look this up real quick. Is he still alive, guys? Uh, is. It says is. Okay. His Wikipedia says is. He is still alive. Okay, good. I was concerned. I was like, did Morris Chestnut die? I mean, he was really good as Ricky. I'm surprised he never did anything else like I could think of. He's not really in a lot of stuff. He was in The Last Boy Scout, G.I. Jane, The Game Plan. I might, maybe if I rewatch that, I'd recognize him somewhere in that. I watched it when I was younger. But anyways, um, The Boys in the Hood really worked for me because um, it's the type of story you don't see in a lot of movies. It um, it's, it feels very real in a way. Like it's a part of um, culture you don't usually see represented in a film that much, even though it's very real and in the world. And um, obviously, I've never experienced anything like that, so it was interesting to be brought into that world, and it felt genuine. It didn't feel like a caricature. I think that's why it works so well. And I think Ice Cube being in it adds some validity to it, because like, you get the idea that is that is stuff Ice Cube really witnessed. You know, it is based somewhat in reality for him, and um, I'm sure it is for other actors and actresses in that too. And um, it's um, it's uh, it was real. I don't I don't think I'm uh, probably the best person to like explain all the depths of it because like i said i've never really experienced anything out that like that um i grew up very rural and um, it's really weird for me to be living like um out by cleveland now like it's still i don't really like living in the city <laughs> so like, i couldn't imagine living in like literally like the hood of la like they uh, live in the film and it's a completely different side of the world to me it doesn't even feel like the same country like when i'm watching the movie it just seems like a completely different place it seems very foreign to me and that I think that's the point, you know, it's to um, draw attention to draw attention to that. And uh, it really worked that way, and it tells very, um, I would say, um, I don't know if intricate's not the word. Um, you feel close to the characters, and every character that you meet, you're attached to. And because of that, the film uses that to um, tell a very personal story about multiple characters in this setting and it's like to me i've always said you know i have the idea to like write a show that's about like these different characters that all live in this rural setting and i think i have a it's not going to be like a sitcom but it's also not going to be like over dramatic it's not gonna be like euphoria but it's also not going to be it's always sunny it's gonna be like somewhere in the middle where it just feels real and um this movie does that for obviously an entirely different setting it very much is a drama but there's some points that you laugh at it just feels like real life captured on film and that's um, that's really special. And I will say it's incredibly engaging as a movie. Like you never feel bored. 
even though what you're seeing is somewhat mundane to the characters, which is wild because there are some obviously very wild situations. And so it's a it's really great. It's on Netflix right now. If you haven't seen it, I feel like you got to. It's amazing, and I love it. I think it's an amazing movie, and um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So um, that we watched that because um, we were talking about narrative. That was this week's coverage. So that we watched that film as a study in narrative. And last week was cinematography, so we watched yeah. Grand Budapest Hotel, which made sense because it's Wes Anderson. Um, as far as movies I've watched in January, we are now done with January. So um, Boys in the Hood was the first movie I watched in February. So that's pretty exciting. I'm already off to a really good start in February. As far as January went, I watched 13 Going on 30, Citizen Kane, Anyone But You, Grand Budapest Hotel, La La Land, and Whiplash. La La Land's obviously already in the Hall of Fame. For February, the first movie I watched is Boys in the Hood. So off to an excellent start. I might go see The Beekeeper. We will see. Um, yeah. That's the end of the episode. I appreciate everybody who gives us a listen. I will see you all in the next one. We're going to do all the Super Bowl predictions and all that fun stuff. I can't wait. And uh, peace out. Thanks, guys.